Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Amen. Glory. Well, you know, there is a God. I mean, he surprises me constantly. I mean, I have believed that and have known that. I mean, but every time he reintroduces himself into a moment, into a situation, I just get a little bit tickled again that right there he is. I mean, he just, he's just showing up like, I mean, just like he's God. I mean, just, just shows up and just interrupts. And so, you know, I had the message all planned out for this morning and the Lord during praise and worship began to speak to me over there. And I began to, to, to write down what the Lord was speaking to me. And you know what I was writing down while I was writing down these very words, pastor Ken got up here and began to speak those very words about a dream and you get a dream and I, and, and I'm writing the word dream and I'm going. How does he see this? Is he, been, is he looking at my, what I mean, I'm just now writing it down. And I thought, oh my, you know, there is a God. So, you know, this is not, this is not planned by man. And so today there's one of two things I'm going to ask you to consider. I'm going to ask you to consider that this might be a word from God for you, okay? Because I don't know which one or how many God might be pointing at, okay? But he's wanting to point it at, at someone here or uh, just, to, just to answer some questions or to give some help for the future or for a moment, okay? But number two, now, 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 now consider he might be talking, you know, to you about you and for you to encourage you. God's words are always redemptive, okay? They are never finger pointing. All of God's speeches are about the future, okay? That you, you, can, just, you can just accept that, okay? He's never, uh, God is, is, is not bent on getting onto us for the past. That's never his motivation, okay? If he corrects us or encourages us, it's always about our future so that we can, you know, so literally, so we can do better next time. Yeah. Isn't that a good thing? See, God, God is a next time God because God has had to do next time himself so many times. And that's one of the things that he first began to speak to me is, he's, it, it, is, he, is he let me know that he was an expert in starting over. That's, that, that's just I even wrote that down on some, somewhere on something that, that, that he's an expert, I just wrote it down a moment ago, in, in, in starting over. He has started over. I mean, think about it. Noah and the flood. Think about it. I mean, he has and, and a new heaven and the new earth that's coming. He's planning, you know, uh, when, when, when all, when, when he gets every, everything dealt with, he's planning on giving a brand new start, starting over. So uh, that, that, that was the, 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 the title that I put up there. God's just an expert at starting over. He has started over so many times. In fact, he started over with me a few times. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, gosh, wonderful. But he's given me the chance to start over as well. So, you know, in realizing that, that God is always redemptive, Today, remember, two things I'm going to ask of you. Number one, I'm going to ask of you to just consider that God might be speaking to you for you. And number two, 
it's possible that God might be speaking to you for someone else. When we come to the house of the Lord or we go to the word of God or we enter into a prayer time or we may just be driving down the road, sometimes God inspires us so that we can encourage other people. Sometimes it's for us. It's bread for us. And sometimes it's seed for us to take and plant in someone else's life. So just be considerate. But something I do know, that you will fit into one of those two categories today, okay? And it'll be up to you to, to, to find what God is saying to you today. Out of all the things that, 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 that I'm going to say, find what God is saying to you and embrace it. So uh, basically, we're talking here about, you know, the energy the, you know, what do I do? Starting over, starting over. When you, when you have to start again, or when you need to start again, okay? When you, when you ought to start again, yeah. Why not? All right, we're going to the book of Genesis chapter one. While you turn to the book of Genesis chapter one, you know, uh, the, the Bible is filled with, with uh, so many verses. The Bible is like a, it's like a puzzle, okay? If you can imagine, each verse is a piece to a puzzle. You know, there are 66 books in the Bible, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. It was written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,600 years on three different continents. And God has preserved it. It is Holy Spirit inspired, but it only tells one story. The Bible is one picture that God is painting. He's not painting a lot of different pictures. He's not telling a lot of different stories, okay? It's one story that he's telling. It's a story about redemption. It's a story about the main character, Jesus, his son, and all that God did through Jesus to create a world for him and by him and to create brothers and sisters to have them birthed for him and to, to give him this kingdom for eternity. It's all about his son and all about the redemption aspect of God. There, uh, it, it's like this big puzzle. Can you imagine a big puzzle? Okay. 31,102 pieces. That's how many verses there are in the Bible. 31,000, for those of you that like numbers, some of you don't care and you wish I wouldn't talk about numbers, but I'm one of those numbers guys. There's 31,102 verses in those 66 books. Can you imagine putting together a 31,102 piece jigsaw puzzle, okay? And each piece has got to be as big as the United States. Okay, uh, it's that vast. God has a, it, it's, it's larger. And all of them fit together and God knows where they fit. He knows how they fit because God sees the whole picture. He knows he's painting one picture. He's not telling 31,000 stories. He's telling one story. And every piece has to fit into that one story God is telling. We cannot take one piece, one verse, and imagine that it tells us, you know, uh, everything about God or that it gives us some authority to paint our own picture. 
We can't just take one or two or three uh, uh, pieces home with us and tack them up in our house and think that we know God because boom, boom, boom. We have relegated him to this and this and this because this. No, all these pieces have to fit into the one story that God is telling. And the amazing thing is that they do. This morning, we're going to look at the very beginning. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to learn a few things today. Perhaps it's for you. Perhaps it's for someone else that you're going to run into this week. But it's all aimed at giving us the encouragement, giving us the, the hope, giving us the steps that we can take when we need to do better in life. When we need to take a step, whenever we need to start over. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, reading from the New King James Version, it says, in the beginning. What does that mean? Anyone know? It means in the beginning. Okay. I'm, I'm glad. I, I'm, I'm glad some of you understand Hebrew. It's written in Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, this says, in the beginning. Okay. In the very beginning, we don't know when that was. We're not even sure exactly what God was talking about when he said beginning. Because he did not choose to elaborate on that for us. We do know that he's not talking about the seven days of creation, which he will later begin. He is talking ab ab about some beginning that began back in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, as I said, this is not the beginning of the seven days of creation when he separates uh, the water from the water and makes the firmament, when, 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 he, when he starts, you know, that, 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 that's not what we're recognizing here. God had a beginning uh, in mind when he was talking here. And he did not elaborate on that so we can't know, but we can know this that what he said to us is true. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse two, and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Now, somewhere between verse one and verse two, something happened that we don't know about. Because God, in no stretch of the imagination, God did not create in the very beginning the heavens and the earth in chaos, in darkness, in despair. We don't understand what happened in that gap between the beginning and then how we see God looking at the earth at some later moment. Whether it was one second later, one year later, one billion years later. Let me tell you, for those of you that, 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 that uh, may have a little problem with carbon dating, showing that rocks are perhaps, you know, 60 billion years old, but yet we only have in the Bible 6,000 years of history. That should not be a problem to you. Don't let it make you afraid. God created the heavens and the earth, whenever he did it, 
It does not matter to us. He may have done it 50 billion, 100 billion, zillion, trillion, quintillion, whatever years ago. Who cares? He put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He formed man of the dust of ground, breathed his nostrils, breath of life, and man became a living soul about 6,000 years ago. And that's the truth. Okay? But to imagine that what we now see was a first use would be to deny far too many things that are observable. God just didn't choose to tell us about the very beginning. But he did choose to begin telling us a little more whenever we get to verse 2. Because by the time we get to verse 2, whatever had happened, God looked at his creation. God looked down upon the earth and he saw that it was without form, that it was void, that it was in chaos, and that darkness covered the face of the deep. Now, I don't know, so you can't take this as gospel, but I can well imagine from reading the rest of the whole Bible that there may have been a little between verse 1 and verse 2 when God chunked Chunked is a good word. When God chunked the devil out of heaven and he hit the earth and caused a great chaotic thing. I don't know. I have no idea. But I do know that later on, whenever he tells Adam and Eve what their job was, he told them to replenish the earth. You know what that word replenish in the Hebrew means? Replenish. It's the same word he said to Noah when Noah got off the ark. Replenish the earth. Okay? So, now I'm not trying to get you to imagine that creation science is wrong. I don't think it is. I am 100% sure that God created the heaven and the earth. Don't know when. But I do know at some point God looked at what he had, and he wasn't happy with it. He looked at something that he was responsible for, and it was chaotic. He looked at something that he loved, something that he cared about, something he had spent time on, something that he wanted, but it wasn't like he wanted it. There was trouble. It was dark. It was covered in darkness. It was unusable. It was unproductive. It was sad. It was not what he wanted. And at that moment, God could have drop-kicked planet Earth into oblivion. Because that's what many times, that's what people do with things they don't want. Things that are chaotic. Things that are full of darkness, things that are, that, that, that are without form and void and empty and, and, and lifeless and meaningless, except that he loved it and cared about it. Instead, when God looked upon the earth that he had created and he saw that it was in disrepair, he saw that it was in darkness. He saw that it was chaotic. He saw that it was empty and without form and useless and, and it was lifeless, literally 
lifeless. The Bible says that the Spirit of God moved, hovered, covered, went down, and brooded over, one translation lends itself to, and covered, hovering over the earth and the face of the waters. The earth was completely covered in water, we find later on. And the Spirit of God was hovering over it, covering it. The concept there in that, in that uh, Hebrew concept was, was he was brooding over it. He was meditating over it. He was covering it. He was holding it. He was, he was considering it. He was, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the Spirit of God was holding it close. The Spirit of God went down. Instead of getting farther from the problem, the Spirit of God went down and got closer and hovered over, brooded as a hen will sit on an egg to incubate, to, to sit there and, 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 and let, let, uh, let a plan formulate, hovering, meditating, getting a plan so that he can make a decision as to what to do. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And guess what God did in verse 3? Then. You see that, that thought then means that there was a conclusion to his hovering. There was something, a decision made that was born out of the brooding, that was born out of the consideration, that was born out of the meditation. Then, once God had, had, had handled it and looked at it and, and gotten closer to it, then, then God said, let there be light. Verse 4 said, and God saw the light, that it was good. Wow. Well, this morning, I want to give you three things that I believe God wants you to do. Or he wants you to encourage others to do who may be at a point in life where they're needing to start over. Maybe at a point in life where they, uh, where, where they see God was. Maybe that they had something. Maybe they created something. Maybe they were something. Maybe uh, used to be it was better. And maybe they've come to a point where what they have, the life they have, maybe, maybe the marriage they have, maybe the, the job they have, maybe the, 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 the conscious considerations they have, maybe what they're doing in life, maybe it's no longer like it was. Maybe, maybe it's even filled with darkness. Maybe, you know, the, 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 the thoughts they have or the hopes they have or the dreams they had, maybe they have moved themselves or life has moved them. Something's happened. Maybe the devil 
devil got into the middle of it. But all of a sudden, they look at something that is under their control, something that is that, that they are responsible for, something that belongs to them, and they no longer like the way it is. And they want it to change. They have a they have a decision, a choice. They can drop kick it into oblivion, or they can do something about it. You see, this is the very first lesson that God teaches us in the Bible. The very first thing that God wants us to know about him is that he is a redemptive God. If it belongs to him, he's going to fix it. Okay? If it's under his charge, if he's responsible for it, he's going to do something about it. He's not going to let things that are under his control continue to live in darkness, to be void and empty and unproductive and lifeless. He's not going to, you know, just be frustrated over it the way it is. He's not going to let it stay that way. It's the very first lesson God teaches us in the Word. And I think the very first thing that God tells us about him is pretty important. Yeah. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's pretty important. That establishes who's in charge of this. Whose fault is this? <laughs> Hello? Who did this? Who let this happen? Who's going to fix it? Hello, that's not, that's not a wrong consideration. God fixed it. God sent his only son to the cross to fix it. Why? Because he was responsible for it. He didn't get farther away from sin. He got closer to it. Hello? Yeah. Why? Because it was a problem on his watch. Let me submit to you that if you are having a difficult situation in life or you're in a difficult situation in life, if you are troubled and worried, if, if, if you have allowed things on your watch or if things on your watch just because of someone else and what they did, if they have become chaotic, dark, unproductive, then let me tell you what God did when he was right in the same place you are. How did he address his problems? And that's what he's wanting to teach us. What do you do when you'd like to start over? Because <laughs> he wanted to start over. What do you do when you have something and, and, and you want it to change? You don't want to throw it away, but you need it to change. You know, God wanted to be happy. God wanted to be, you know, satisfied. He wanted to be content. God wanted to be happy with what he had. And he wanted what he had to be productive. He wanted what he had to be happy. Well, number one. Everybody say number one. What do we do when we have a problem? And also, don't forget, when your friends have a problem, what do we encourage them to do? What do we, when we have a problem, what do we do? Number one, get closer. Hey, that's a good one. Thank you. Somebody shout glory. Glory. <laughs> we get closer. God didn't back up from the earth and say, I don't, wanna, I, I don't want anything to do with it anymore. 
God got closer to the earth. The Spirit of God, when God saw there was a problem, the Spirit of God went down to the earth and he got closer to it. You know, we need, when we have a problem, we need to become more familiar with the problem, not less familiar with it. We don't need to deny it. We don't need to ignore it. We don't need to draw back from it. We don't need to pretend it doesn't exist. We don't, you know, we need to get closer. And you need to encourage your friends whenever they have problems, they need to examine those problems. They need to handle those problems. They need to look at them. They need to become more familiar. They need to educate themselves on why in the world am I having this problem? It's good stuff. Yeah, why not? If you're having arguments with your best friends, don't you want to know why? Because if you don't know why, chances are you're never going to be able to fix it. You might tolerate it, but after you tolerate it for a while, you'll probably get rid of it. Or they'll get rid of you. It's good stuff. God's talking directly to someone here who has some situations in life and they sure would like to start over, but they're not sure how because it's not easy. It's tough. It's difficult because number one, you don't really want to get closer. You kind of like to just get rid of. You don't really want to get closer to that student that's giving you all those problems. You don't really want to get closer to that supervisor that you really dislike. <laughs> oh, come on now. I'm preaching better than you're amening. You don't really want to get closer. But if you're going to start over, you must become familiar with the problem. As I said, you cannot avoid it. You have to take an honest look at it. And that's what the Spirit of God did. He went down upon the face of the waters. That's what Jesus did. The Bible says that, that when we in our flesh could not help ourselves, Jesus became a man and became like us and came down to earth so that he, in the flesh, could defeat sin in the flesh. And whenever he wanted to deliver our souls from hell, he didn't deny it. He didn't avoid it. The Bible says it was the plan of God that he entered into death. And he stood toe-to-toe, -to -toe, so the Bible says, so he could face him who had power over death and destroy him and take the keys of death and hell from him. You see, Jesus got closer to the problem. He didn't run away from it. He could have closed the door on humanity, and it would not have meant that he wasn't Jesus. It would never have meant that he wasn't the Son of God. You know, uh, God can be God, and Jesus can be Jesus without me and you. They can have a universe without me and you. They can make volcanic kaleidoscopes without us. They can listen to symphonies without me 
The rocks and the trees will praise them. They don't need us. They love us. And when we have problems, they get closer to us, not farther away. And when others in our lives or things in our lives present problems and it's our responsibility, we need to be willing to get closer if we're going to change those things. Number two. Everybody say number two. Number one, you need to get closer. Number two, you need to get a dream. That's what I was writing whenever you said, God wants to give some of you dreams of a better day. You need to get a dream. That's what I was writing down. You need to get a dream. You need to have a dream. You need to, you need to uh, uh, do what God did. He got down close to it and he began to consider. He became very familiar with the problem in Genesis 1 and verse 2. He became very familiar with what was happening on the earth. Very familiar with, 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 with the fact that the earth was void and without form and darkness was covering the deep. And he was dreaming about how it could be. He was dreaming about how it might look. He was dreaming about what he wanted. He was trying to get a picture here of something better. Of what, what, what better? Let me tell you, if you cannot get a dream of a better day, if you don't have a vision, if you can't imagine something better than where you are, than what you have, especially if you're in a dark or a desperate day, when you cannot see yourself better and having, you know, just, just a better life, then it, it's, it's a sad day. What is it that you're wanting? Have you ever even thought about it? You need to become familiar with the problem, but you also need to become familiar with the dream. Familiar through meditation. The Bible tells us that this word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. When? Whenever you meditate upon the remedy, upon the rescue, upon the dream, when you just, you know, oh, I just dare you to take a little time out of your life and begin to imagine a better day. What would a better day look like? What would it look like in the morning? to get up without fussing in your home. What would it look like? What would it look like if you went to work and everybody just loved you and you loved them too and it was just such, you know, what would it look like? What would it look like? You know, I can remember in my life being afraid that someone was gonna knock on my door. Anybody ever been there? Woo. I just think, oh, somebody knock on the door. I want to run the other way. I'd want to, oh, no, because I never knew who it was. I didn't know who it was, and I wasn't real happy with who I imagined it could have been out of the dozen people that, you know, I didn't want to see. I didn't want them telling Brenda what I did. <laughs> I can remember. Larry, when I'd see those lights come on behind me, I remember going, oh, no, they done found out. You know? 
Today, there's a smile on my face if I see some lights come on. Yeah, even if they're stopping me. Because you know what? I realize they're there to help me. You know? Oh, yeah, I might have been speeding and they charged me a little bit, but that, that's all aimed at me doing better. The Bible says no correction is good for the moment. It's pleasant for the moment. But afterwards, it yields peaceable fruits of righteousness. It makes you better afterwards. Well, if we paraphrase it, the Bible says no spanking is enjoyable. But it sure helps you to think about doing it right the next time. You guys are mighty quiet. If you have a problem, if your friends have a problem, I'm not talking about just, you know, one isolated thing, but I'm talking about something that's recurring. Something that's causing, you know, uh, you to be unproductive and, and darkness and, you know, and, 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 and un, you know, uh, just like the earth was chaotic. Then it's important, number one, to get closer to the problem. Number two, it's important to get a dream. To sit down and let God begin to build in your imagination what a better day would look like. What would it look like? What could my life look like? What could my family look like? What could it be? And if all you can hear is, oh, it'll never be any better than If that's the only thing you can hear yourself saying, if that's the only thing that you can hear yourself repeating, then you are in a dark hole and you need help. You need to be able to break out of that. You need to realize that God is a redemptive God and God has a plan for you. He who sent his only son on the cross of Calvary to die for your sins, how much more, the Bible says, will he not also give you freely all things to enjoy? God wants us to have a better life. We have to accept the fact that sometimes we cause a problem and sometimes we are the problem. And if you want a better day, like God did, then you're going to have to get closer to it. Familiarize yourself with what it is that's causing the problems. Embrace it. Take ownership of it. Okay? Let your spouse know it was their fault. <laughs> That woke you up, didn't it? <laughs> oh, praise the name of the Lord. Glory. <laughs> yeah, you need to get a dream. You need to have a plan. You need to, you need to have, have, have two things in your mind while you are dreaming here. Number one, you need to look at the big picture. What would I look like? What would life look like? What would, 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 would marriage look like? What would business look like? What would my job look like? What would my school look like? What would my friendships look like? You know, whatever the situation is. What would my finances look like? Whatever the situation is. What would my health look like? Whatever that, that problem is that you're wanting to address, you need to look at it and say to yourself, that's what it would look like. If I could get from here to there, whoo, I would enjoy that much better than right here. Okay? Begin to dream. And get a plan so that you know not only what the big picture looks like, but you know what the next step is.
Once you can get that vision, as Pastor Ken said this morning, God wants to give you a dream and a vision. Once you know where you're going, then that next step is not rocket science. You just take one step and get closer to it. You just do something that takes you closer instead of something that takes you farther away. If you want to go to Disney World, eventually you'll need to go that way. Okay? Now, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't have a dream, if you don't have a vision, then the Bible says you're just wandering around in life without anything to direct you on course. Tomorrow is going to be 24 hours long. What are you going to do with that 24 hours? You can get closer to what you want and will make you happy and will be better for you and for Jesus, your family, or you can get farther away. It's your choice. It's a step in the right or the wrong direction. That's as simple as it gets. Number one, get closer. Number two, get a dream. Number three, everybody say number three. Get going. Now, bear in mind, I just wrote these over here right as just where I came up, okay? I'm certain I could have done better if I'd had like a week to prepare this, all right? But I prepared uh, uh, something else this morning. And, and uh, you know, God just inspired me because someone here needs to start over. You need to start fresh. You need to start again. And you may need to start again a few times in life. You may find yourself in a place in a few areas of life that you had rather not be. And when you do, let me tell you what God did when it happened to him, okay? Number one, God got closer to it. He became familiar with it. He was not afraid to look at the problem. He was not afraid to say, you know what? This is, this is something that I should do something about, okay? You know, this happened on my watch, whatever it was. And then he decided that not only getting closer, but while he got closer, he began to handle the situation. He began to hover over it, and he came up with an idea. He came up with a plan. He came up with a dream. And then, once he did, he knew what the first step was. And the first step was, let there be light. <laughs> and then he said, ooh, that's good. That's what's going to happen to every one of us. Whenever we take that first step, it's going to feel like a cool drink of water. It's going to be good because we finally get going. We finally get ourselves into the game. We finally do something about the chaos, do something about the darkness. We finally do something different. Nothing changes until something changes. Do something different. Genesis, the first chapter, verses 1 through 3, is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of what happened in my life and what happens in your life. You see, it was God who brought life to me 
by his own miraculous hand in my mother's womb. It's a miracle. But every one of us only have life because God created it. In the beginning, God created me. Some years later, he looked at my life and he said, there's my creation and he's without form and void and darkness is covering his life. I don't know what your testimony is, but, but I know that God could have thrown me away. He could have said, whoo. I'm holy. I need to get away from that. He could have stepped back, but he didn't. He got closer. And his Holy Spirit began to work in my life. And his Holy Spirit began to cover me. That's what the Bible says. No man comes to God except through Jesus, but no man comes to Jesus except the Spirit of the Father draws him. And the Spirit of God began to deal with me, just like he did you, you know? And then whenever God had everything just right, he looked at me and said, let there be light. Jesus Christ became real to me. I accepted him into my life. And God said, it's good. And you know what? It was good. Amen. Yeah. And the rest of verse four, guess what happened? The rest of verse four, look at this, what happened? And God divided the light from the darkness. Wow. That's what he does. Not only for the universe, not only for the earth, not only, you know, for problems, but he does it for people. Today, if you have said yes to Jesus, it's because God got close to you. Today, I want to encourage you to be more like him. You see, God is bigger just as Morgan saying, God is bigger than all of your fears and he is even bigger than all of your dreams. So I want to encourage you this morning to fear less and dream more. Get a better picture of what God wants for you. Amen. Jesus paid the price. If you're here this morning and you're not sure that you're born again, then today I'm going to challenge you to recognize that God's dealing with you. God's hovering over you. His spirit is brooding over you. And he's prepared your heart to receive the light, just like he prepared the earth to receive the light. He's prepared your heart to receive Jesus Christ.
Today, I believe that if you would just open your heart, Jesus will come in. Today, even if you are born again and perhaps you are facing difficult situations in life, maybe there's something going on that you feel is out of control and chaotic and, and you know, full of darkness and unproductive. Maybe it's your life. Maybe it's the way you're living life. Maybe it's the way that, that, that you know, it, it, it's going at work or perhaps it's with you know, uh, relationships at home. Whatever it may be, you, if you're responsible for it, you are the only one that can change it. I encourage you to do what God did, what Jesus did. I encourage you to just get a little more familiar. Go ahead. Stop ignoring. Stop avoiding. Stop trying to get away from it and deny it. Accept it that there's something that needs to change. Find a dream of a better day. What would it look like? Imagine. You may have to work hard to imagine starting over. But it works for God. It'll work for you. And then... Do something about it. Today. Amen. Tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, give the Lord a, a hand clap. It doesn't get more simple. And according to the word, it does not get more powerful or life-changing than just doing something about it. Bring light. Separate the light from the darkness. And you'll see, it is good.